0: Good morning. So we're looking at uh, Second Chronicles, we're looking from chapter 15 uh, on to 22. We, yesterday we've spoken about Asa, the king of uh, Judah, and uh, we found out that he was a good king, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, when you open up a passage or a chapter starting with one of the kings like this, you know that they're on a good path. So three things usually happens when they are doing that which is right. One, they get rid of the foreign altars and then the high places. Then they break and cut down these asher poles and these pillars as God had commanded them. Then the next thing they do is they obey the commandments to keep the law. This is not some arbitrary sort of, I'll try to be a good person today. It is one which is actually set to be ensuring that they follow the commandments of the Pentateuch as we have gathered through our previous readings and then we find out that there now there's peace in the land and so they start building and isn't that a promise of God as well that when peace is there they have stability and they have uh, security. In addition you're also going to find out that every time there's a battle going on uh, the enemy will have a lot more men to spare in battle than the Israelites or the, those of Judah. Just to show you that God's faithfulness and God's um, protection is on, on them. But if, if they had listened to the voice of the Lord, then he would uh, tell them whether they should go to war or not go to war. Uh, that's, uh, that is the added advantage they have. But if they do not uh, sort of seek the Lord like soldiers, then they will lose the battle. So now we're looking at the 15th chapter, and in the 15th chapter we find that uh, we see the separation of the kings of that which is of Israel and that which of Judah. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he uh, went to go meet out uh, Asa, and he gives him a word, and, and he is encouraged by this word. He says, if, you, if the Lord is with you while you are with him, If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And now you see that uh, it states here that for a long time, Israel was without the true God and without the teaching priests and without the law. But when in their distress, they turn to the Lord of God of Israel and he comes to them. So in those times, there was no peace. And so you see, this is the promise of what God has told them right from the start. That if you follow my commandments, it'll go well with you. Verse 8, you see, her uh, uh, hears these words of Obed, uh, uh, Azariah, of son of Obed, and he takes courage and he puts away all the detestable idols uh, from the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities. And the hill countries and he repairs the altar and here he starts burning sacrifices and you can see there's the multiples of seven years 700 oxen and seven thousand sheep and he seeks god and it all goes well and you even see in verse 16 it's so radical that even gets his mother to be uh uh, even maka his mother king asa removed from being queen mother because she made detestable images for asherah and uh, he burns it and he basically throws it into one of the tributary brooks that are there and it says that in 17 that the high places were not taken out of israel nevertheless the heart of asa was holy holy true in all the days and he brought into the house of god the sacred sacrifices that his father and his own sacred gifts of silver and gold etc right but with this there's always a big but and so now we're going to go into chapter 16 so in chapter 16, we get to see that um, although he's done all that which is good in the eyes of the Lord, you see he's now getting into political alliances where his dependency is not now on God, but on that which is of um, of man. You see, you could have a religious life which is good, but a, a physical life here on earth could be that which is not pleasing as well to the Lord. So he he now sees that Basha, king of Israel, is now coming up against him in judah coming to the Ramah, the, the north part of jerusalem and he wants to, he, he it scares Asa, so he takes the silver and the gold from the tre- treasures of the house and he goes to ben hadad of king of syria and he says to him let's make a pact and in making this pact uh you've got to break your covenant with king basha which is israel and you that he may withdraw from him so you see this political instead of going to political sort of uh conspiring uh, against uh king of basha uh, king basha of israel so that they are able to um, uh, save king Asa's interests here and so you see he he agrees uh, this is uh, this is something that he ben Haddad, King of Syria agrees to, and so then Benadat listened to Asa, sent his commanders, armies to Israel, and he conquered. And basically gives a list of the places he's done that to. Now, looking at verse 16 is quite interesting. Uh, six, actually, pardon. It's absolutely interesting in that you see this is a good uh, sort of like military maneuver in that he now uh, asks uh, the ally of King basha which is israel to um, go against him and he then takes over where they are camped at ramah which is north of jerusalem and there where king uh, basha had been building he takes possession of all the building materials and the timber etc and then he goes this is he is in king asa goes and he builds Giba and Mizpah. I mean, it's just incredible, isn't it, that these maneuverings are going on and God is merely just uh, looking at them, a bu- uh, sort of building in vain. Now, in sort of this alliance with uh, Asa and the king of Syria, uh, God speaks to him through Henan- Henani, Henani, I think it is. And um, he says to him that because you have relied on the king of Syria, and did not trust in the Lord your God, the army and the king of Syria has escaped you. What does he mean? We're not the Ethiopians and the Libyans, Libyans, are a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen. So now there's others that he would now that he would now have to confront. Now because of this unholy alliance with um, king of Syria and with Asa. Uh, God said to him you have acted foolishly in this and from now on you will have wars and He got so upset that he took the seer and he put him into the stocks in prison uh, for he was a rage because of this and uh, He inflicted cruelties upon him uh, some of the people at the same time Uh, and this looks at how Samuel uh, did the same with Saul when he had come and given him the bad news and how Uh, that the kingdoms will be stripped and the further rage that will pursue so that he would try to uh, sort of defeat uh, David and kill David. The same sort of spirit happens here is that when you know that God is blessing that which you could have had you then become jealous and that rage sometimes in that effort that you would have had to put into God you have actually are uh, using 10 times the amount on the opposite side, building in futilities, knowing that you're fighting against God. And such is that which of a non-believer. He knows he's destined to judgment. He knows his eyes is blind. He knows he's spiritually dead. But he still persists on the road of arrogance and pride. And then we see a tragic end to Asa's life in that at uh, the 99th year of his reign, he became severely ill in that he had a diseased foot not athlete's foot but uh, probably gout or something like it instead of turning to god he turned to physicians however he does prepare his own sort of i would say grave and funeral so he dies and is rested in the tomb of his father's in the city of david so now we come to uh, chapter 17 and we have jehoshaphat and his name means god judges and he is the son uh, that is reigned in the place and strengthens himself against Israel. So we also have now that um, Joseph, now he there's a gold standard into which all kings will be judged and that will be of David. And here it, that it says that because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David, you're going to notice that everyone is compared to David as to the heart and to the worship of God and uh, verse 6 his heart was courageous in all the ways of the lord and furthermore he took the high priests and the ashram out of judah but remember that his father did that asa did that so it's as if it has come back they're like weeds every season they come back in some form or another and in verse 9 they taught uh, in judah having the book of the law and of the lord with them and uh, they were about through all the cities of Judah and they taught among the people. So they actually started to go back to the laws of God and start teaching them. Now you also get to see that um, they all, in, in bringing this reform, he had brought in reform by removing the idols, then he brought into teaching the people. And then you see that, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Because everyone knows that when they are in good standing and in good relationship with God, Every, every, uh, every enemy around them is not going to succeed. And when you see your enemies come to you with gifts and they brought to Jehoshaphat presents of silver for tribute and the Arabians brought, with, uh, brought them 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats, you now get to see that God is with you. So Jehoshaphat grew steadily and greatly. And he built fortresses and store cities, which means that he's got enough, I would say, uh, income coming in to be able to retain uh, the produce. He built uh, Judah's fortresses and cities in Judah and his soldiers were mighty. And so you get to see God blessing him. And this is a good sign, a sign of that when you follow God, you will receive the bounty of the earth and the blessings from others around you. But if you should forsake his ways, you will receive that also which is away from him, and that is the death. So you see now Jehoshaphat, he is really uh, being blessed and that he has a great army. He has lots of people supporting him. He's very popular. And uh, chapter 18 now we're going to come to and you're going to find that things don't look as promising. Now the unique aspect here is that we see that in chapter 18 that it starts off by saying that Joseph had, had great riches and honour. Now just in that we've all along been comparing to uh, David, that they did what is right in the Lord, they've obeyed the commandments, but here when you're talking about great riches and honour, we're now alluding to that which is of Solomon and his kingdom. So he's seeing that God has blessed him equally in that respect. And so just like Solomon, you get to see that Ahab here is now uh, becoming an alliance with Jehoshaphat in marriage. Uh, And you get to see that now the southern kingdom is joining forces with the northern kingdom. And you see the word that in in the last part of chapter 18, verse 2, it says, and he induced him to go up to Ramad Gilead. The word induced there is more of a, a occultic, a enticed word. That which is, you know that something not, is not going kosher there. Now we may say all that we want to say about Jehoshaphat and what he couldn't do or what he did or what was wrong But one thing good about him here is that you see that in this process of going up to war He does inquire of the Lord, he says, uh, inquire first for the word of the Lord Ahab never even thought about this, never even mentions it So when he does, they bring in and gather the prophets together, 400 men, 400 now imagine you're getting all the pastors together and we want to seek the Lord for something and get 400 pastors together. And the call him uh, the president of that country is seeking advice. So what they do is they tell the president what they want to hear, what he wants to hear. And so Jehoshaphat for some reason says, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And here you get to see that there is some sort of discernment in knowing that these guys are just telling him what he wants to hear and so they say yes there is one son of Micah but he's not very good because every time he he doesn't tell good things to him or mentions uh, stuff that he wants to hear so the prophet comes to them uh, Micah and he he's asked to prophesy and he starts off just like all the other prophets and he tells them what they want to hear but he can't continue because after further being provoked or or, or probed as to what is the word of the Lord here he says that they will be like scattered sheep they are going to lose this battle and in doing so they they, uh, give us a little bit more in depth as to an internal conversation that happened in the heavens in that God wants him to fail because uh, you see that there is a lying spirit that has come upon uh, all the prophets, all the 400. And imagine now you single-handedly are requested to give a response which is contrary to everyone. So what happens is they get pretty annoyed with him and chuck him into prison for telling the truth. You see the beauty and the hand of God in all of this. And Chronicles wants us to show you that that God is in charge, God is in control of this. That even King uh, Ahab, he disguises himself and he asks Jehoshaphat to put on his garments of robes. And they go on to battle. But the king of Syria commanded all his captains and chariots to fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. And a month amongst all these thousands of people a certain person draws his bow randomly and strikes the king of Israel and basically uh, wounds him and you see that even in this you can't hide from God so now we come to chapter 19 and we're gonna find that at chapter 19 um, Hannah the seer meets king Joseph at and he says should you help the wicked to love those who hate God or the Lord and here you find that the book of Chronicles the writer is very opposed to every time uh, Israel wants to ally itself with uh, Judah and vice versa is totally because it's going to ruin the line of uh, David should this continue and you see how God orchestrates that each person uh, or, or each leader is in his hands and he looks after them to fulfill the plans that he wants to bring about. Now, in comparison to uh, the Kings, uh, the book of Kings to Chronicles, we're finding a lot more wars and battles here, and we get a lot more detail as into the Kings. Twenty, chapter 20 is one good example. Here you see that the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Munites they come against Jehoshaphat and they want to wage war. But you find that he then goes back to God and he says, God, uh, this, you know, do you remember me? Remember the covenant that you made with us? And in, as in Exodus chapter 19 it says, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Uh, this battle is not yours, it's God's. And then as you get that a wonderful, uh, uh, I would say, summation of who God is. Give thanks to the Lord; His steadfast love endures forever. Is a phrase that they that they mention, and God delivers them from uh, uh, delivers Judah from his enemies, and they take the bounty that which took three days to uh, after they've killed themselves actually, and uh, they call it the Valley of Blessing. But at the end of that. Uh, chapter of 20, you see that Joseph, the king of joined King Ahaziah, king of Israel, acted wickedly. So here you get to see that he's not learned his lesson, He He's actually now building alliances again. But at the end of it says, because you have joined with Ahaziah and the ships where the Lord will destroy what you have made and all the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. So you see that this is a repeated occurrence, that these are just mere, I will call them individuals who are trying to function in the power of their flesh rather than listening to God. But in those moments of failure, the spiritual, supernatural outworkings of God is always there to bring restoration as well as guidance. So, looking at chapter twenty-one, we're looking at Josephat. He dies, and he sleeps with his fathers in uh, in the city of David, and his son uh, Jehoram uh, then reigns. Now, uh, Josephat was very wise in that he placed his sons, which were quite a number of them, in various uh, sort of parts of the country, into being able to uh, govern. However, the moment he Dies his firstborn Jehoram uh, kills the entire lot of them, and he says immediately verse six says he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab, and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So you see that, and then we find that the uh, Edom revolted against this, uh, against him, and so there's a number of uh, decline uh, as one. Uh, as the kingdom goes on but at the end in verse 13 it says that but have walked in the ways of the kings of israel and have enticed judah and its inhabitants of jerusalem to him as the house of ahab had led israel into Wardom, and had killed his brothers who were better than yourself now this is what uh, elijah the prophet is saying to him he writes him a, a note Uh, what basically is says the Lord he writes him a letter so we find that uh, Elijah is now rebuking him for this and and his punishment is that he will suffer with severe uh, sickness and his bowels will will come out uh, and uh, uh, where is it his bowels will come out because of the disease day by day and so we find that in verse 19 in the course of time, at the end of two years, his bowels came out because of the disease and he died with great agony. And there was no great fire like they made for his forefathers, but he was, then uh, he departed and no one's regret. And they buried him in the city of David and not in the tombs of the kings. So you see, a, not a very pleasant end for, uh, for this king. Now we go to chapter 22. So now we come to chapter 22. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, the youngest son, king, in his place. For the band of men that came with the Arabians to the camp had killed all the other sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Joram, king of Judah, reigned. He reigned 20 years. Now his mother's name was Atalia. And uh, she was the granddaughter of Omri, and she walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, and she counselled him in doing wicked stuff. So, the, the, so basically, she's uh, she's similar to Jezebel, uh, we see of Ahab, and she did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and in what was in the house of Ahab. So Ahab becomes the I will call it not the gold standard, but I will call it the rubbish standard, and you get uh, the gold standard is David. So we have a woman in the throne, um, Hazia or Ahaziah, how you want to pronounce him, is basically his mother after his death takes over. And she goes about ensuring that she reigns on this throne and she remained with them six years. So this comes to the end of our reading today, and it's been quite a journey uh, seeing how Judah and how Israel uh, have different outs, outlooks as to their destiny. Two different paths, two different roads, two different standards. One has a false God, which are uh, false gods actually. Uh, it's the two uh, Baal statues of made of uh, gold and uh, you've got the true god which reigns in jerusalem and you get the false prophets and you get the true prophets and isn't that so similar to the life we live today in that we have that which would be the narrow road or the broad road the celestial city or a life in eternity in damnation or we live in peace or we live in war and these roads are a constant reminder of who we are and what we are. If we are people who of God, we can be assured that peace will reign. If we are not, then death. With that, I will see you tomorrow. God bless you.